0: The new police minister, Mark Mitchell, whose honesty about the reality of how long it would take to recruit 500 new police, crashed into uh, political realities last week. The coalition agreement between National and New Zealand First promised an extra 500 frontline police officers within two years. When Mr Mitchell signalled it would be met over three years... He was forced to U-turn within about 24 hours after the Deputy Prime Minister and New Zealand First Leader Winston Peters took up matters with the PM. But whatever the politics, the challenges of recruitment are real. Australia's shamelessly poaching Kiwi police and concerns have already been flagged about the risks of lowering the standards of police recruiting in a bid to meet the coalition agreement deadline. It's not the only challenge facing the new minister, a former police officer himself, who in opposition was vocal about gang violence and intimidation youth crime, ram raids and retail crime prevention. So now he's Minister, what will he do? Uh, Kia ora Mr Mitchell, thanks for making time for us. Good morning.
1: Good morning Catherine, thanks for having me on this morning.
0: Well since your stint in opposition you've of course had the briefings that you get as an incoming Minister. Has this affected at all your views on what to do and when?
1: It's probably reinforced uh, for me the size of the challenge that we've got, Um, but you know we've the reason why we've fought so hard to get in the government is because we want to deal with those challenges and get on top of them. So, uh, But yes, there's definitely some challenges ahead of us, without a doubt.
0: Let's work through some of them then, and uh, you tell me any I'm missing. Let's start with the recruitment challenge. Mm-hmm. What was the information you had, whether in opposition or subsequently, yep. that saw you indicate it might take three years to recruit 500 new police rather than two?
1: Well, of course, in opposition, you don't have visibility on all the information that you do have available to you in government. So part of the briefing for the incoming minister is to to educate the minister exactly what is happening inside the portfolios. And it was obvious in terms of recruiting that we have got some challenges around um, uh, the Australians are here, obviously, recruiting their police officers um, uh, around filling the current recruit wings and uh, also the fact that we're going to have senior police officers that are coming up to retirement age and um, and will start to leave the force. Now, in saying that, um, yep, it does pose some challenges, and I did signal that to the country, which I think was only right and fair. But the reality of it is, is we've committed to deliver those 500 additional police officers over the next two years, and so now we just have to work really hard supporting the police, um, coming up with ways that we can actually do that.
0: I want to come back to some of those specific challenges in a moment, but and and we should say police have already been on an extended recruitment drive for trying to find 1,800 new police. That They're not able to meet that target. The pool of suitable applicants is not that large. And I, I want to ask you now, will you resist pressure to take on people who are not fit and proper persons for our police, to meet that target. If it can't be achieved in two years, will you resist that pressure? I think the Minister's line may have dropped out. Can you hear me, Mr Minister?
1: Yes, So we lost the call for some reason.
0: We did, we did. Did you hear the question, which was... Um, if, will you resist pressure to recruit people who are not properly fit and proper persons for the police force? Will you resist any pressure to do that just to meet the deadline? Oh,
1: no, absolutely. Look, um, you yeah, know we've got one of the best police services in the world and the quality of our frontline, all our police officers is world-class and we certainly would never drop those standards. It's critically important. They have powers um, and training that no one else gets. They perform um, an extremely important role in our community with those powers and that training, and and we've certainly never dropped the standards.
0: So if you can't meet the two years, you won't meet the two years?
1: Well, we're committed to meeting the two years, and I I actually think that, um, yep, it's going to be a stretch and it's a challenge for us, but I think we can do it.
0: What would it take? You've got the Aussies here openly poaching. What's the difference between what they're offering and what we're offering a police officer?
1: Look, I think at the moment the the police have actually got got currently 2,000 expressions of interest. They've got to work through those, obviously, as quickly as they can. In terms of recruiting, look, I was over in... This is a very localised, but a very good example is that I was over in Gisborne just before Christmas, and they've got a young constable there that has really stepped up to the challenge in terms of trying to identify young people that have the qualities that could make good police officers and is actively out there uh, mentoring and recruiting them. And the last um, graduation I was at, there were four officers that have been recruited out of Gisborne, so I think that you know there's going to be lots of sort of centres of excellence around the country that are able to actually localise it and identify, um, particularly young people that um, that are suitable to come into the police.
0: And as soon as we train them, the Aussies poach them.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, of course, that's um, you know that is always a challenge. The good news is that the data that we've got shows that actually maybe there's not as many travelling or taking up the offer to Australia as we thought there might have been. Um, so that's really positive. Look, I, I don't. There's no way that I criticise any of our police officers that choose to make that decision. They've already served us um, through their own public service, and of course, many of them are making decisions around what's best for them or their families.
0: How worrying is the looming retirement of a number of senior officers? Can you give us an, I- an idea of what you were told about that?
1: Yeah, so it's a bit more like it's over a sort of a ten-year period where we have got a um, where a lot of our officers are more experienced officers they are approaching uh, retirement age and so you know we've got to be watching that very closely because of course it does have an impact on police front frontline police numbers
0: where are plans at for a new workforce to deal with mental health call outs which are currently taking up a large amount of police time sometimes justifiably police need to be there often they are not really the right first responder where are plans at for that
1: no, I'm glad you raised that, and you're absolutely 100% right, is that um, often it's not, the police are not the correct agency to respond and deal with people with mental health issues. Are you still there, Catherine?
0: I am. I'm listening.
1: Oh, so, sorry, I thought we'd lost the call again. Um, so um, so, so basically, uh, we're, I'm working very closely with uh, Matthew who who is our first um, dedicated uh, mental health uh, minister, and uh, in terms of trying to develop a co-response model in terms of looking for ways to be able to get our frontline officers back on their core role um, and away with, uh, from having to deal with mental health issues. But they're not not—they're not mental health experts. Um, and just I'll give you a very real example, is that I was on night shift with Section 1 at Auckland Central last week and there was a eye car, an incident car, which is two police officers that were tied up with a mental health case, a, a, you know, a young lady that needed support. Um, but the police weren't actually the right people to provide that support, and it takes them away from their frontline duties.
0: So, where are plans at for this workforce? It would take years to build up, wouldn't it?
1: Yes. Well, that, that is the challenge because, as we know, um, we've got uh, there's you know the we, we're well down on numbers in terms of a trained uh, mental health workforce in New Zealand. So, that is one of the challenges that we have to start to rebuild uh, capacity and, and capability. It's, it's
0: it's it's a decade or more even to build any kind of critical mass, isn't
1: it? Well, I I don't know. Again, I'm not going to talk. That's um, Matthew Ducey's um, area and portfolio. So I don't want to talk to that. He is the best guy to speak to. Um, But I know that I'm committed to working with him to try and come up with a co response model that allows our frontline police to get focused back on their core role.
0: If you look at, let's just pick one area, central Auckland, downtown Auckland, people and businesses constantly reporting that they feel unsafe, constantly concerned about crime levels, intimidation, etc. What can police do? What would it take?
1: Well, what police can do, and, and the Commissioner is, is working very hard on this at the moment in terms of what our expectation is to see more police highly visible out on the beat, developing relationships with the retailers, um, Being, you know, just even having the police on the beat and being visible gives the public a sense of security. Um, and you can start to get on top of a lot of that uh, disorder and, and violent type crime.
0: Yeah, but where, where do the numbers come cases? from? We go around in circles, don't we? Where do the numbers come from to have well, that visibility and presence? Well,
1: well, that, that is that is operational, um, of course. But we have seg- I've signaled very clearly to Commissioner the expectation is that we see resources and numbers put back and focused on the front line, um, back to basics policing, um, dealing with the core, and uh, and yeah, we've we've just recruited an additional eighteen hundred police officers. Over the last six years, there's another 500 that that will be coming online and we've signalled that we want to see them back on the beat. And by the way, at the moment, the police are actually being quite effective in terms of their beat sections and the work they're doing. It's It's just that there's more that can be done.
0: Are they net numbers, by the way, Minister, those 1,800, or have we seen just about as many leave?
1: Uh, the net they were net numbers on the eighteen hundred, although um you know the, the previous government weren't entirely clear around the fact that uh, three hundred were the authorised officers. Now authorised officers have got a very important role inside police, but they're not out on the street, they don't have the powers of arrest, they're not able to respond to the member of the public when they put their hand up for help. So it was actually fifteen hundred front right, police. But
0: they arrest. are net that was a net increase in the um yes. in, in the uh Muster, if I can call it that. Yep. Perhaps not the best word.
1: No, no, that, that's fine. Speaking um, of which,
0: but, speaking yep. of police time, what is it going to take to enforce the banning of gang patches? How is that actually going to work?
1: Well, we've sort of landed in a perverse um, situation in this country that has developed over the last six years where the gangs think they're above the law. Um, they think that the laws don't apply to them like every other law-abiding citizen in this land. We get, we're bringing in um, some pretty tough gang legislation. Uh, we are going to ban their gang patches because we feel that gangs wear them um, you know, to intimidate the public. And by the way, to earn the right to wear a gang patch, you've got to show them that you're capable of um, perpetrating some sort of violent crime. So they are gone. Um, the police have got some ideas in terms of around how they're going to police that. I can't talk to that at the moment. But there will be an announcement on that uh, in the next few weeks. Uh, we've said that um, we're going to put the non-association orders in place, which is for the worst sort of violent um, gang members to stop them being able to associate with one another and plan their next uh, nefarious activities. And we've said they would give the police dispersal notices, which will prevent gangs from coming out and taking over public spaces.
0: So what happens, for example, the recent bird Hines funeral? Hundreds of gang members wearing patches. What would yep. the police do in that circumstance?
1: Well, those are, what I've been really pleased about is that there's been a very strong response from police in the last couple, couple of months in recognition of the incoming government's attitude that um, law-abiding citizens will have their rights protected over and above of those gang members. But are they going to and arrest said, them all in practice? Well, we've seen two tongues recently. We've seen the headhunters run from Auckland down to Foxton where there was um, a proper police resource put in place. They had the eagle overhead and the feedback from the um, uh, from the community in Foxton was that they felt safe. And that there was a strong police presence okay. that was actually that was policing the gangs. We saw the same thing in Fakatani recently, with exactly the same response uh, from police. And that was in contrast to what we saw in Apotiki late last year, where you had the Māori Moth take over the town and terrorise and hold the town to ransom. So we are seeing a very strong response from police, and quite simply, the police are there to enforce the laws. The gangs are not against uh, are not above the law. If they break it, then there will be enforcement.
0: People would love that kind of attitude when it came to their burglary or their car theft or this or that. So, you know, uh, there is the law. It is not always enforced. That's reality. And the question is, well, it's not always, yeah, frankly, uh, it's it's not always followed up on. And so the question becomes, where do you put that precious time? Can we just finish with another matter that's under some discussion? Uh, A couple of them, actually. One is the, 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 the proposals to tackle youth crime. Yes. The Youth Military Academy, and, and the lowering, I think, of the age to, to the point now where a 12-year-old can be arrested and, and, and prosecuted. Look, you know full well the brain development of a 12-year-old and the likely background of a 12-year-old who's committing ram raids or, or any other crime. I don't want to minimise that. It, it is a hideous crime for the victims. But it's a 12-year-old with a 12-year-old's traumatised, probably, brain. Now, are you using evidence in determining how best to deal with what is, I understand from the former police commissioner, a comparatively small number of repeat offenders?
1: Well, I mean, the the, the sad reality for us as a country is that it's 12-year-olds that are um, are beating shop owners and putting them in hospital. So, you know, there's, there's definitely a public safety side of it. And, of course, the other side is the social investment. It's trying to invest into our young people, and this is the whole point of the military academy, is make the investment that they need. Try to wrap around um, positive uh, role models and mentors, and allow them to actually um, get back on a track, that they can take advantages of all the great opportunities that our country presents. Yeah. But former you, Children's you know Commissioner was.
0: But you are talking about really, really complex investment in uh, undoing psychological damage, right? And yes,
1: absolutely.
0: Okay, and, and is a however many week academy going to do going to do the business, or does it just look well, good on the tin?
1: So, so the military academy targets those um, serious recidivist violent youth offenders from fifteen through to seventeen. It takes them out of the community where they're probably a bad company, where they, the adult gangs have got their hooks into them, and it puts them into a much better, stronger environment where they've got the best um, role models and mentors that we can as a country we can offer up. We'll invest in their numeracy and literacy, we'll try to give them a whole lot of life skills over twelve months that keeps them out of the adult um, justice system and allows them the best possible chance of coming back into society with some meaningful...
0: And those younger kids, uh, where they are prosecuted, where will they go? Well,
1: what how, will happen to how, them? How do you mean how, how do you mean the younger ones that are prosecuted?
0: Well, the, the, the 12-year-olds, say, or the 13-year-olds.
1: Well, they need a, uh, like I said, they need a strong intervention um, where you look into their uh, background and, and their home environment and you try to put, you try to change that. Um, to make sure that they've got positive influences around them, so they're actually back into education, and they're back focused, they're allow allowed to be children again, and um, and try and get them back on the right track. All right, but like you said, like you said, Catherine, and I, and I agree with you. These are deeply complex issues, and um, and there's no easy answer to them. And by the way, a central government hasn't got all the answers. It relies very heavily on working with local government, with community organisations, with EWE Um, uh, to to try and come up with a a really comprehensive response so that we get these young people Just
0: finally, there's a a lot of dollars attached to all of this if it's going to be done well and what is the situation of the police when it comes to the finance minister's drive to cut 6.5% across the board from from public service agencies etc what's the story with the police budget?
1: Well we've we've come in uh, and we've inherited massive amounts of debt from the previous government you've had Enormous amounts of um, money splashed everywhere with no tangible results, and we need the public service to be careful with their money and be focused on results. And is, this is there money. an
0: impact for police budgets?
1: Well, there, there's the, the police, like every agency, has been gone away, has been asked to go away and have a look and see what savings can be found. Um, the one thing that the one commitment that I will make is that uh, we are focused on getting on getting resources and numbers back on the front line. Um, customer focused and uh, delivering the services to the people of New Zealand that they expect and deserve. That's
0: Mark Mitchell. Thank you for your time. Police Minister